I am excited to bring this episode to you. It is a replay of an episode we had last October. And the reason I know it was October without even looking at my notes is because we published this episode originally on Steve, aka Hot Husband's birthday, when he was a little over one year past his sober anniversary. And now, as we inch up closer to September, we will be celebrating his two-year anniversary of his sober living. And I just wanted to replay this episode because, one, there are a lot of new people in our community right now who may have missed this episode because it was originally published as a bonus episode, so it didn't quite get the attention as perhaps some of our other episodes. And then two, when I'm meeting up with friends in real life, a lot of conversations have been sparked around being sober curious. And so because you are in this community and you are one of our listeners, you too might be curious about the sober life. And or maybe you're just curious about how Steve and I have navigated this change in our marriage because this was his choice, not mine. I won't get ahead of myself. I will tell you you're going to want to listen to this episode. So with that, I also want to explain a few things. You saw in the title, Hot Husband. So for my friends who have been with us from the beginning, you know that when we were doing the Facebook Lives in our kitchen, Steve was always our amazing engineer behind the scenes, and I would always refer to him as Hot Husband. And so that kind of caught on, and now people in our neighborhood, people who we run into, they're like, hey, Hot Husband. So that's why I felt like it was important to keep it in the title of this amazing episode. Also, I want to invite you to think about your own choices around drinking as you listen to this episode, and then come find me. Like if you want to chat it out, send me a message, send me a DM. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And then, of course, if you want to be on our email list, you can find us at hello at michellefox.com. And I would love to keep this conversation going, including Steve, hot husband, has generously offered to come back and talk about the experience and talk about the journey because he truly wants to help others find freedom around their health choices. So he and I are going to record a fresh episode very soon. But in the meantime, Please send me your emails, your questions, your DMs, and I would love to be able to help and support you on your own journey. Okay, before we get this episode going, I just want to make sure that you saw we still have a few spots open for our October retreat in the Dominican Republic. My partner, Dr. TJ, and I are hosting a gut health retreat. And this will be an opportunity for you to hit the reset button, learn some tools around your health, and or just hang out around the pool if you want to. That's going to be your, uh, your prerogative. So wanted to make sure you saw that. Also, for my friends who may be embarking upon or are smack dab in the middle of perimenopause or menopause, I recently published a digital guide entitled, Is it hot in here or is it just me? And I walked through seven steps on how I cured a lot of the ailments that came along with menopause when I 
landed in menopause about three years ago, and I sincerely hope that this guide helps you as well. So that's enough from me. Let's hear from Hot Husband. I'll talk to you soon. Welcome to Nourish. I am Michelle Fox, culinary nutritionist, health coach, and your host for this podcast. I teach busy professionals how to get more nutrition in their bodies and how to have more fun in their home kitchens. If you struggle with consistency or sometimes forget to make your needs a priority, you, my friend, are in the right place. Join me each week for inspiration to increase your energy, strengthen your mindset, manage your hormonal woes, and so much more. You have a lot on your plate, but that does not mean your nutrition should suffer. You deserve to live in a body and have a life that you love. So let's dig in. I have the hottest husband sitting right next to me. We are in the bed here in Belize during our anniversary week. And I originally planned to have him on this podcast to share what it is like living with a culinary nutritionist as a wife, as a partner. And that might sound a little flat to begin with, but let me just give you a little bit of a a backstory. So Steve, my husband, has been seeing another woman the last few months. That woman would be his personal trainer. (laughs) They've been working out, I'd say, probably a good three months, maybe a little bit longer. And this is funny, babe, and I'll introduce you in a moment, but we haven't even talked about this part yet either. But she asked him about his nutrition because she was putting her, you know, the whole program together. And he's like, oh, I've got that covered. I'm married to a culinary nutritionist. And when he came home and shared that story with me, I just kind of had a blank stare like, yeah, you're married to me, but that doesn't mean you eat the way I eat. (laughs) So I just wanted to dig into that, which one day we will. Tonight, today is not that day, my friend, because I'm going to try to hold it together, but My husband said that he is willing to talk about our dirty little secret. So we're going to get into that promptly, because if my baby said he's willing, (laughs) we're going to take advantage of that moment. So, hi, baby. Hi. I don't know how I feel about this. (laughs) What did I sign up for? (laughs) Well... Just so you know, and I'm happy to share with the community as well, anything you say that you are not comfortable with, you have my word. I will scrap it from the editing floor. So with that said, and me leading into it, should should we hold the the audience captive or should we let them in on on our dirty little secret? Well, we're started. I think we're already into it. (laughs) Okay. And yes, that is nervous laughter. So I am calling it a dirty little secret. It's actually really beautiful. And I will start. So as I mentioned, we are here in Belize, sitting in our bed. We just got home from 
an AA meeting. And my heart is so filled with love. It's so filled with gratitude. So filled with appreciation for this man and the world that he has opened up to me and to our family. And so, babe. Hi. 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 I'm Steve. I'm an alcoholic. Mm. Say more. What what does that mean? Yeah, that's that's a very thought-provoking question. It means that my life was unmanageable. That drinking influenced and impacted a lot of aspects of my life. And I was just, I was ready to give it up. Mm-hmm. Give up the drinking. The drinking. Not the life. No, I, I like my life. Mm. I have a great life. Mm. We have a great life. Yes, we do. So let's take our friends back a few steps. I can only share from my perspective. And as I'm learning more about you and learning about what you are willing to share with me and with our community, I'm going to follow your lead quite a bit in this conversation. But I just wanted to start off with my part. And the whole reason why I even called it a dirty little secret, which I don't love, but it was in fact a secret. The first three months of your choice to become sober, which by the way, congratulations for one year and how many days? Six days now? To four. One year and four days. I'm kissing you. Thank you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So the first three months of that one year, I had no idea. Like I didn't know that you had decided to quit drinking. And I definitely didn't know that you had decided to start going to AA meetings. So would you be willing to share a little bit about that like specifically what kept you from sharing that with me your best friend your life partner your wife no i think kind of what the way you had said it is you can share your story and you know this is my story so you know we were last year on our anniversary we were in playa del carmen Mm -hmm. And I think it was the last night we were there. We were coming home on Sunday or whatnot. It was was the 17th, and we had gone out to a nice dinner. We did some dancing. There was some live music. We got some ice cream. And I don't know. I had grabbed a glass of wine as a nightcap, and we ended up going back to the room. And that's I know that that's the last – that was the last drink I had. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it was just the lack of our connection. Mm -hmm. I think we both had different, I don't want to say expectations, desires, but we, we were there, we were both present, but we weren't present with each other. Mm. I think you had gotten a massage on the beach and I turned and ordered a margarita (laughs) <laughs> and sounds about right. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, maybe a ninety-minute massage, and I probably got a second or a third margarita. Uh, but it was just that, and so 
I just looked at that as there's so many different variables that contributed to that. And I was trying to narrow down. I'm like, how can we connect better? How can we communicate? How can we just emotionally, physically, mentally connect? And I thought that alcohol was the biggest barrier to that. Mm. And so then I started thinking more about, well, is alcohol the biggest barrier to a lot of my goals? What role did alcohol play in other aspects of my life that impacted it, you know, I'll say for the worse or for the better, most instances for the worse, you know, even my prior marriage, alcohol definitely impacted the outcome of that. And I, you know, I know that early on in our dating, we talked about, you know, you were previously married. I was previously married. What roles did we play in it? How did we overcome some of those? What role did we play and how do we, what do we want to say, assume blame or what was our role in it? Mm-hmm. Taking ownership and accountability for it. So that's kind of where that led was what is, is alcohol. So, you know, we ended up getting home and I was like, all right, I'm just going to not drink. I think I had went two months and I'm like, okay, like no problem. But I was like, there's more to it. Like, I can't just stop drinking. Like, there was this void. And it was later, what I've come to learn is, it was more of just willpower of not drinking. Like, anybody can do anything for 30 days or 60 days. But if I was going to keep this up, if I wanted to keep this up, if this was a choice I was going to make, what? What direction was I going to go? So I think it was two months in before I was like, all right, you know, like everybody's heard of AA. Everybody has, you know, different images or, you know, preconceived notions about what it is. And so I was like, all right, well, let me just look it up. And it was towards the end of COVID. So I was like online. So I was like, let me just go to a meeting online. And I sat in and I was listening and I have never met a more welcoming group of people that are happy to see you, mm. that welcome you, and they're from all walks of life. And it was like, okay, I kind of felt the sense of belonging, like mm. I was there. And so I, <laughs> you know, and it was like, come back. So I ended up going back the next day and the next day. So I was like, this isn't so bad. Like that started explaining to me, like, there's a lot of things that you're like, I don't know anything about it. So let me just give it a shot. I'll try anything once and maybe twice just to find, make sure I like it or I don't like it. But I liked the sense of belonging. I liked learning. So I ended up staying in AA for a month and I think it was Thanksgiving. It was your birthday. And we went for a walk on 
the day of your birthday, and that's when I told you that I had been attending AA meetings for like a month and maybe three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we had the kids. And we went for a walk. And I think I told you, and you were like shocked. You like looked at me like, what? I had like, no idea that you were going or that it was even on your radar. Correct. I was yeah. shocked. And I don't even know if you, maybe you did realize that I hadn't had a drink for the previous three months. Well, I noticed you weren't on the couch at night at that point drinking because that I know was one thing I was complaining about. I was letting you know that I was starting to feel lonely in our relationship and that I noticed you were choosing the bottle over spending time with me in the evenings. And so, yeah, I noticed the bottles weren't there. But at that point, I think you were still on the couch late at night watching television. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember those days as as well, <laughs> but it sounds about right. So let's actually take a few steps back because I can already feel a lot of my friends, especially... Because one friend in particular already asked you point blank, like, Steve, what are you talking about? I never saw that side of you. I would have never <laughs> assumed you were an alcoholic. Uh-oh. Like, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more for people that, like you said, may have preconceived ideas of what an alcoholic is and or what an alcoholic profile might look like, like. Tell us your story. Like, when you say, I am an alcoholic, what does that mean specifically in detail for you? For me, I, once I start drinking, I don't like to stop. So, you know, an example would be, let's go to a work happy hour. You know, you have two, three drinks, you're sociable, responsible. You go to a dinner party, you know, you order a bottle of wine, you share it, and everything's fine. You you maintain composure and you... Oh, when you're saying you, you're saying you. Me, okay. myself. Yes. And, you know, whether it's two or three glasses of wine, you know, and then you go home and it's like, okay, well, I've had two or three. That's like the happy hour in the primer. And I would, you know, have a few more drinks at home. You know, those few more may range from two to six. You know, I've, I've read some studies, or not studies, but, you know, there's there's some other podcasts I listened to about health, and they were talking, you know, that the average American drinks like, you know, 10 drinks a week. Well, that could be, you know, four to five to 10 or whatever. I would choose to have all those in one sitting. Because to make the most of it, like having one or two drinks never made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's the, you know, what is the Nicolas Cage movie, Leaving Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. you know, where I think he went there to try to drink himself to death and, and, you know, or the fall down drunk and, you know, there's like that. I was highly functioning. Like, right. Like, none of our friends 
knew what I was seeing and more important, what you were going through. So I think that is why I keep calling it our secret because it wasn't that I was ashamed of your behavior. It was just I didn't understand it. And I knew that it was a block in our connection. Yeah. And, you know, you could, I was a heavy drinker. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I had fun. Like, you know, and I think certain circles, that's acceptable. And different cultures and environments, like, that's just commonplace. Like your childhood in Wisconsin. Yes. <laughs> I feel like anybody we meet from Wisconsin, it's like, yeah, that's that's what we do, of course. We yeah. drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that's when you say it's a secret. Like, I, yeah, I didn't. It was a secret in the sense that I liked to drink at home in private where I didn't have to socialize. I didn't have to save face per se, and I was a lot safer. I didn't have to worry about driving or, you know, um, just I felt safer at home. Mm. So I never, you know, really got in trouble with the law, never got a DUI, never got in an accident, anything like that, because I like to do it at home. It's alcohol is, alcoholism, it's an isolating Please. disease. Yes. So. Yes. That's why it's that dirty secret, because I tried to keep it a secret. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. And also to people who might judge or have this idea of what an alcoholic looks like or is, I think you've mentioned before that it's another reason why you kind of kept it to yourself, because people think of like maybe displaced people or, I don't know, people with mental illness or, I don't know. But I just, I think people tend to go to the far end of the spectrum to decipher what an alcoholic is because in that way they don't have to look in the mirror and look at themselves like, oh, well, maybe I too have an issue with alcoholic, well, alcoholism, alcohol. Maybe I, too, have an issue with alcohol. And that is actually one reason I was really excited you were willing to share with my community, because I do think food issues can be tied into alcohol issues, which can be tied into drug issues. And, like, we're all in this together. Like, there's no play in the finger. There's no, I'm superior because I've conquered this, you know, issue. Like, I think we all have our demons that we fight. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have an opinion about that? I'd, yeah, we all have our demons. You know, it's, it could be anything. There's a whole range of things. But yeah, you know, in certain AA kind of groups, you know, some are kind of the purists. Drugs are a part of my story with Alcoholics Anonymous. And some people are like, oh, no, don't bring that. That's a separate issue. And I'm along the lines of, we want to help everybody, mm. right? Like, be that support. Be that reason. Be that reason to make somebody else smile today. Be that reason to give somebody hope. And be supportive and encouraging. And, you know, that's, that's, I don't know, that's community. 
And that's Community what your access. purpose. Yes. Yes, yes, I, yes. I am so grateful for each member I have encountered going through in-person meetings, going through Zoom meetings. And that's been great. I mean, I have peeked into meetings on the East Coast, West Coast. I There was early on, there was one that was promoted in the Ukraine that I sat in and listened to. I looked for meetings while I was in Cartagena, and you were Chris enough to come to a meeting tonight with me. Yes, which I have to jump in. Like, it truly was so beautiful to see this room full of men. This meeting happened to be all men, and they graciously let me join. And I do say join because without giving away secrets, because I still don't know all the rules. I know anonymous. I know I can't say names, but all of that to say, we did do a reading, and I got to participate in one of the readings, and all of the men, well, I was going to say, can I make assumptions? Yeah, well, yeah, because I, I mean, all the men had a heavy accent, so I imagine English was not their first language, and and English is really my only language. <laughs> so <laughs> I felt very included and welcomed that, for the most part, the meeting stayed in English. And yeah, we talked about some of the AA principles. And for those who don't know, AA stands for Alcoholics Anonymous. And there is 12 steps. And then there's also 12, what's the other thing? There was uh, traditions. 12 traditions. And so that's what we were reading out of that book. And my heart just swelled because these men are literally fighting for their lives because they understand that people die literally every day from overdoing it with alcohol. And that could be them. That could be any of us, like any moment, any day. And so I just had so much grace and reverence for these people who showed up to say, 24 more hours, I can do this. 24 more hours. And not only can I do this, but I'm here in community to support the community to let, you know, you, brother, to let you, sister, know that you can do this as well. Did you have any particular takeaways from tonight's meeting? I know you've been to quite a few meetings, but yeah. how did tonight's meeting land for you? Yeah, it was it was good. Like, yeah. you know, there's there's some meetings that are always better than others, you know, based on the topic and how authentic and vulnerable people will be in their shares. I just want to add that tonight's meeting was an open meeting, mm. which means that you know, non-alcoholics can attend. And then there's closed meetings where it's only Alcoholics Anonymous members. So, okay. So, that's so you were welcome. You were allowed. the observer. Okay, yes. I got yes. it. <laughs> well, I was still grateful I got to read yeah. to you. It made me feel like I was part of the circle. No, and mm -hmm. I think, you know, kind of getting to the flavor of, you know, my share this evening is, you know, we're in Belize. You know, our life in Denver is completely different than the lives they have here. But so much of our lives are in parallel, right? I have so much in common with each and every one of those gentlemen's experience. You know, their experience is their own, but it's relatable to me. Mm -hmm. I... I can relate to it. I understand it. And with that being said, you know, we're here. We walked in and they welcomed us with open arms. Yes. 
And yeah. we were able to share and talk and socialize and just wherever you go, you were just welcome. And I can relate to him. Hmm. I love that. So I also want to go back even quite a few more steps. I actually got my thesis around alcoholism in applied psychology at NYU back in 1995. So <laughs> your girl's been paying attention to this stuff. And so I recognized it. And I was sad, but I was still already falling, like falling fast for this man. So I'm like, okay, eyes wide open, eyes wide open. And so all that to say, there were a few incidences that happened around alcohol during our dating period and even before we got married. And I'd say, hey, I've been noticing these things. This certain behavior makes me uncomfortable. And then we might fight about it and then we'd move on. And yeah. then the yeah, next yeah. thing would come up, we'd fight about it, and then we'd move on. And I think there were probably, I would say, five or six incidences before we got married that really stood out that I'm like, ouch. And yet, we got married. And even that, we got married on a vineyard. <laughs> what was the name of it? The uh, Silver Oak. Silver Oak. Silver Oak. So even that, alcohol was part of our... Our story. Well, yes, our story, but our elopement. And uh, then yeah. our family dinner, even, we had at a winery, the uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. Yes. <laughs> so with this, with this episode, when it comes out, I might have to pull out some of those photos, because they actually were pretty exquisite, beautiful photos. But it's just interesting, like, looking back now... Like, alcohol has been part of our relationship. And so all of that to share, just more backstory for our community, that I have been and still am eyes wide open, knowing that this is what is part of our relationship. This is what I plan to, quote unquote, work with. Like, I never intended for you to get sober. And I was very clear with you that I knew that if you ever did get sober, it would be your choice. I knew there was nothing I could do or say to move you in that direction. So when you did finally get sober, I was in shock. And a year later, I would say some of that shock has worn off, but I'm still like, I feel like I'm still trying to catch up. Like you made your mind up way before I was on board or understanding it. And so I just love that you have been open with me and that you do want me to understand and that you have invited me to some of these meetings because I do want to understand your process and I do feel that it's bringing us closer together. So I don't know. I don't even know what the question is at this point, but do you have any comments about uh, that? No, and uh, Silver Oak is such a good wine. <laughs> God. Uh, you found it more delicious than me, but yeah, yes, it I, uh, it's one of my favorites, but was. <laughs> One of my favorite. If anybody's interested, I have a nice wine collection that I need to get rid of. Special price for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, I, I can't narrow it down to one specific instance of why I chose to stop drinking. I know that that anniversary getaway was kind of the culmination. When uh, I got upset? Yeah. Yeah. 
And it was just kind of like, all right, I'm not doing this anymore. And, but, you know, I also lost one of my best friends or I lost my best friend to alcoholism. And, you know, that played a huge factor into it. And that was about a year before you decided to get sober, right? Yeah. So that would have been, yeah, I think that was, well, this November, I think it'll be three years. So. Wow. Okay. But yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. It's, it's sad and it can inflict anybody and anybody. And I know you'd mentioned it earlier, you know, there's NA meetings for Narcotics Anonymous. There's OA for Overeaters Anonymous. There's AA for Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, I think, for me, I'm speaking for myself, that, you know, I've gone to therapists, and I think a lot of people through the pandemic and have, a lot of people have gone to or started therapy or continued to do therapy. And... For me, AA has been more impactful than any of the therapy I received. And I'm not saying that therapy I received wasn't helpful. It was. And I just think it, AA has been more impactful to me. Yeah. And just as a witness on the outside, I totally agree. I'm so grateful. And we were speaking earlier today just about how you being able to see your story in multiple faces, I think has been more impactful than just a therapist saying, well, maybe you should try this, or how are you feeling? Or maybe you should be more mindful. I think your favorite therapist was like, practice more mindful meditation. Oh. <laughs> You're like, yeah. yep, not, not helping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but well, in AA, you have a circle of people that you can actually see your story in a lot of these faces, right? Yeah, you know, you pay for therapists in AA meetings and the friends you meet in AA, that's free. We all know how I like to be frugal, but <laughs> just, no, financially responsible. <laughs> but I forgot where I was going with this, but. How you can see yourself and yeah. the faces of others, our yeah. stories of others. Yeah, just relatable. Like, you know, it's not that one-up, like. You know, everybody's got those friends. You go back and forth with the stories and they progressively get almost exaggerated and like, you know, the fishing tales or whatnot. But, you know, all of, all the people in AA I've been able to relate to, they're, they're, the, they're real people. So, yeah. Well, one of the, things you've shared with me about AA is that you are asked to be honest with yourself and to be honest with others. And I have to say, as we wind down, that that commitment to honesty that you've had with yourself and that authenticity of bringing me into your circle, I think it's really deepened and enriched our relationship. I just have to say thank you Thank you for showing up for you. Thank you for showing up for me and our relationship. Thank you for sharing, showing up for our family. Like, everything's improved in this last year. Like, this is a podcast. I'm not going to get, you know, I'm not going to put all our business out there. I will just say <laughs> 100% of areas in our life have improved since you said yes. So thank you, my love. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for that. And you have been so incredibly supportive, understanding, encouraging throughout this entire process. Well, except the first three months. But you have <laughs> well, been. <laughs> yes. All right. I'm almost uh, over it. Not quite yet. Yes. Continue on. Yeah. So thank you for all of that. And yeah, you know, whether it's it be my health, my, I think I have more focus and clarity, but it's also just being brutally honest with ourselves. Like I said, it was that dirty secret. Like I knew I was going home to drink or whatever the case was and getting to the root of the problem of why I drank. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, just being honest. It's more, more than any therapist could have helped me with. Mm. I love you. I love you. I'm so glad you joined us for this conversation. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, if you too are sober curious, I would love to hear from you. Send me a message, comment on Instagram or Facebook, or feel free to reach out to us at hello at michellefox.com. We would absolutely be honored to help you and support you on your journey. If that doesn't quite feel right, I would also strongly suggest you reach out to AA and or Al-Anon. They have amazing resources that can support you, that can teach you, that can help you grow into the person that you know that you're meant to be. So reach out how you can. Please use my voice as a permission slip if you need it. But I'm here for you. And Steve has given me his word. He is here for you as well. So reach out when and if you are ready. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Nourish. Have you been driving, doing laundry, or walking around the neighborhood? Sweet. I've got show notes for you. Hop on over to michellefox.com forward slash podcast when you are ready. I will let you know that on the page, you will find resources to support what you just learned on today's show. And then of course, you can grab some health supportive freebies as well. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would leave a review on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. It will help me with my mission to build healthier communities one person at a time. And it will help you because you will be part of that mission. I'll be back next week. And I encourage you to keep showing up for yourself and know that you and your health matter. Big love. <laughs>